Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on this wet, miserable day, we're still thinking of what we can be doing in the garden. Peter Dowdle, the IrishGardener.com uh, joins me. Uh, good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very, I'm very well, but uh, not a day to be out in the garden, but it's definitely a day to start doing the planning and to be thinking about things we could be doing. Do you know, I'm one of those very strange people that I actually love being out in the rain. But um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm in the right, I'm in the right country. But I'm not out in it today. No, I'm doing, I'm doing a bit of planning and a bit of yeah, a bit of designing and planning is what we're at. Okay, Liz is thinking of that very same thing of planning for the future. She's got an area of what she describes as rough grass. She'd like to plant wild flowers in this particular part of the garden. Do I need to completely remove the grass, or would raking just do? Thanking you, that's from Elizabeth. You have one of two ways, really, or th- one of three ways to, to, to establish wildflowers in that area. The first, Patricia, is actually do nothing and just let the wild grass do its own thing. Let, let, you know, let, it, let it be wild. And if you stop mowing it and stop treating it with anything, uh, you'll be amazed to see the amount of new species that will emerge. So that's number one. Um, the second approach is you could leave the grass there and just remove pockets of it. So just you, you so when you're put, if you're putting on any kind of seed, it has you can't just throw it on grass. It has to make contact with the soil, or else it can't germinate, right? So, but instead of removing all of it, you could just remove packets of it, or pockets of it, and 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 put little put wildflower seed into those little pockets of soil where you've exposed the soil. Now, if it's very grassy, a good thing to put in there would be yellow rattle. So just yellow rattle seeds because that. It's kind of a, somewhat of a parasitic plant. It's not quite, but it, it weakens the grass. Uh, because if, So if you want more wildflowers and less grass, yellow rattle is a good one to start with because it weakens the grass, enabling more space and light for other plants. Thirdly, you could remove uh, all of the existing vegetation, all the rough grass, remove it uh, and just expose the soil. Bearing in mind, any wildflower seed wants very poor soil, nutrient poor soil. So the opposite to what we normally do in the garden, we don't want uh, good quality, rich compost or anything like that. 
So just remove the, the, the grass that's there and put down so, some fresh wildflower seed and should germinate fairly soon at this time of the year, I would think. And a great thing to do. You're a big fan of it. Fabulous. A fabulous thing to do because... It, particularly if you're going with a native mix or even just the rewilding that I said there, even just depending where you are, not everybody obviously is 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 up for rewilding their whole garden, but if it's a patch of overgrown grass and if it's in a rural situation, I'd be all in favour of just leave well alone and let nature do whatever it wants with it. Okay, um, this is from Baz in Bantry. When is the best time to take cuttings from camellias? Can it be done now? says Baz uh, in Bantry where the weather is absolutely awful with rain at the moment. <laughs> I think it's it's county wide, yeah, well, Baz. Don't worry about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think it's just Bantry. Uh, no, it's too early in the year to be taking cuttings from camellias. So camellias are a difficult enough one to, to take from cutting, actually. Um, that's not to say don't give it a go, but I would do it in kind of late summer, early autumn, July, August, September, that time of the year. Uh, and I remember we used to grow them commercially and they were they were um the propagation benches had a soil cable or heating cables in the soil so they needed heat from underneath to promote rooting so obviously in a domestic situation we're not going to do that but just bear that in mind give it give them somewhere kind of warm enough when you're when you're trying to promote the roots um july july august september as i say but they're not the easiest to get to root okay janet has been on to say she has purchased yellow rattle seeds from you from your good self when is the best time to plant them what are no, these yellow no, rattle? What are these yellow rattle seeds? You just mentioned them there a minute ago. Well, yeah, you, if you Google them online, you'll recognise them. It's, a, it's just a kind of a yellow wildflower, but okay. because it weakens the grass, it's a brilliant thing for, like I was saying there at the, at the start, for, for filling in pockets. Or if you have a wildflower area and if grass is taking over, it's just a bit too vigorous. Put in so it's a native Irish seed, native Irish plant, and just put in some yellow rattle, and it'll work in in combination with it. But in terms of the best time to do it, it's now really you want to be after the winter the, 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 for them to germinate. Okay, hi Peter. How do you get rid of fat pigs from the garden? They ruined my crop last year, says Liam. Now, lots of people call these different names. That's kind of little wood lice, isn't it? it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do they ruined a crop on Liam? I wonder what group, crop they ruined on them. I, I, that's interesting. I don't know what crop they ruined them. And the answer, I'm afraid, the short answer to Liam's question is uh, uh, you, you won't really get rid of them. Um, it's it's like it's it's back to kind of cultural control and cultural methods. So they like, as you know, I mean, anyone who's lifted a, a damp rock in the ground or anything and lifted up and then there's hundreds of thousands of these fat pigs of wood lice go crawling. Um, so if you can kind of remove anything like that from the area, so like remove nesting habitats or areas that they're going to like. But to the best of my knowledge, unless anybody else has information that they could ring in with, um, I, I don't really know of any magic trick with wood lice. It's, un, it's unusual for them to cause any harm in the garden. We don't want them indoors, obviously, but in the garden, I don't think they're, 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 they're more. And in the garden, I'm always, I'm loath to try and control an insect. I'd much rather let nature deal with it and, you know, try and promote the natural balance that, that, that with enough species in the garden, you won't, you'll prevent an unnatural buildup of one. So uh, I wouldn't be going out there at all with any pesticide chemical or anything like that. It's more in terms of cultural control and try and remove any natural nesting patches that they might have around, around the crop. Okay. Hi, uh, Peter. What feed would you suggest I give my magnolia tree and a lilac tree? And when is the best time to feed both? Well, depending on how mature they are, Chris, you may not need to feed them. Now, if they're relatively new in the ground, uh, the magnolia, let's start with the magnolia. So the magnolia, 
unless it's Magnolia stellata, which is that star-shaped flower, one of the beautiful, they're in flower at the moment, uh, if it, uh, accept that one. So all the other magnolias do like an acid soil. So they might benefit from a, a feed with something like sequestered iron to kind of, or, or any, there's a lot of things, it's basically sequestered iron, but the, they could be, it could be marketed in a different a number of different ways, like ericaceous plant food or acid plant tonic, but they're, they're all really based on sequestered iron. So that at this time of the year for overall vigor of the magnolia would be a good feed. But come kind of July, it's July, August, September again, it's when that magnolia sets its flower buds for next year. So in other words, if there's no flower buds on it now, it's too late for this spring. It's not going to magically happen. But come July, give it a feed with a good organic tomato food, a good rich organic tomato food, uh, or even a sulfate of potash, because that will help to promote buds in it for next year. Now, bear in mind, if it's a young plant, some magnolias can take up to 15 years to oh. plant. I was just talking I was talking to a friend of mine, actually, we were talking about a particular magnolia up in the fantastic Kilmacurra up in County Wicklow. Uh, and Seamus O'Brien, who's the head gardener up there, a fantastic guy. He was, he was telling me about the Magnolia Campbell, which he told me about before. It travelled all the way as a seedling from Calcutta in 1876, but mm. it took 31 years for it before it flowered. So, <laughs> patience, patience. Well, you, patience. All, you always say that if you're going to be a gardener, yeah. you, do, you do need to be patient. Uh, hi, Peter. Yeah. How do you get rid of red clover mites? They're tiny red bugs and they seem to invade my garden every year. Again, I'm not too worried about the, I know the things, I, I hadn't heard them referred to as that, but I know exactly what, they, what they're, they're like tiny, tiny red spiders. Uh, I don't, I don't regard them as a problem. And to the best of my knowledge, now again, I'm open to correction on this, but to the best of my knowledge, they don't cause any trouble. Apart from, you, you might find them a bit unsightly. They don't bother me. But I, I suppose the short answer to the question is, I don't have a, 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 an answer for that or a cure for that, uh, except living with it, I'm afraid. OK, uh, Larry's in for Moy. He is taking out a Grisolinia hedge this year. It's there about 20 years. But over last winter, patches of it have started to die out. So he's decided to take out the whole thing. And he's wondering, what would you suggest replacing a Grisolinia hedge with? Did, did you say where he was from? Where he was from, Moy. from, Trish? From Moy. From Moy, OK. So, if it, OK, the reason I ask that, because if you're in a rural situation and you're taking out a, a Grislinia hedge, it might be nice to reintroduce the mixed species hedge and, and kind of a, in following on from what we were talking about there with wildflowers and things, the, the benefit of a mixed species hedge is, you know, obviously the more diversity of species in the hedge, the more species of insect and wildlife that it'll, it'll sustain. So if it's in a rural situation, a nice mixed species hedge of, again, native species, like, you know, you're looking at... Um, holly, maybe white thorn, black thorn, rosa rugosa, maybe the viburnum, the gelder rose. They're all nice species to mix in in a rural situation, even in an urban situation. But the, the single species hedge where you have just grislinia and you want to replace it with a different species, um, uh, you could look at something like Eliagnus, which is a mouthful of a name, Trish, but it's a lovely, lovely hedge. It's uh, Eliagnus ebingii, and I'm afraid it doesn't really have a common name. I'm sorry. Um, but that's a lovely kind of grey or silver-leafed hedge. It grows about, it's lower than the Grisolinia, but it grows to about the same thickness and the same height. If you want to maintain a hedge around five or six feet, it's a good one. Um there are loads out there. You could also try the Portuguese laurel. Beaches, of course, is my favourite of all. Or if you didn't want to go quite into the mixed species, you know, too much, you could go just a mixture, let's say, of beech and holly, which can make a lovely hedge as well. It does really depend on a lot of things. Number one, I suppose, what you like uh, in terms of single species or mixture. Uh, and then number two, you're looking at the aspect in terms of sunlight, exposure to wind, soil type. A lot of things to bear in mind, but mm -hmm. hopefully there's a few suggestions there that will help. Can there be, can there be a lot of work in... Having you know a really well maintained hedge. 
Oh yes, yeah. and it, you know, it, it, I suppose it's like everything in the garden, Trish. It, it's the right plant in the right place. So if you if you want to maintain a hedge, let let's use an extreme. If you want to maintain a hedge at, at two feet high, and you plant common laurel, which wants to get to twenty feet high, yeah. you've given yourself a huge job of maintenance. You're going to be cutting it back forever, like five times a year. However, if you put in, like I'm talking about there, the Eliagnus, if you put in a, a, a hedge of Eliagnus, and you want a hedge at five or six foot. It's not going to be that high maintenance because it's not quick growing. So it, again, it all depends. There is maintenance, definitely, but it, it's it's the right plant in the right place. Okay, Jim wants to know. She asked Peter, please, is it okay to spray apple trees for scab now? And what is the best spray that you would suggest? I would drench them, and it's a kind of timely question actually, because a lot of the, the most of the apples now are at the point of bud burst, which is where their 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 dormant leaf buds are just emerging into growth in this fabulous spring season. Um, so at the point of bud burst is when I would treat it with a drench of copper sulfate and water. And what that it will do, it's a kind of broad spectrum fungicide. And, and for things like scab and this on, on apples, prevention I always find is better than cure. So in the first instance, you're looking at good pruning, which we might talk about a different day during the winter. Um, but now then you, you treat it with this as a, this copper sulfate mixed with water. Now, it is licensed for use organically in organic farming and organic horticulture, but the, the term is under under guidance or under license. What that means really, in effect, is maximum of once a year. So do it at the right time, which is now, because prevent, it's much easier to prevent these infections than it is to and treat them to once, deal, once and the trying to deal with it. Yeah. Okay, would, what would Peter suggest? Do you use the long gold liquid or the dry stuff, which is better for moss on lawns and is now the right time to be thinking about it? Well, yes, it is, I suppose. Yeah, the, the, to the best of my knowledge, the Lawn Gold Liquid, I think is Lawn Gold 24 is what it's called. And I think I'm 90% sure I'm right in saying that that is um, what they used to call instant green. So it's a, it's a way of greening up your lawn instantly. Um, and it will kill the moss, but because it's basically iron sulfate. So it will it will kill the moss um, and green up your lawn. So if you want a quick fix, that's probably the way forward. However, if you want a kind of longer term and a more gradual and slower approach, but probably a, a longer, effect, more effective approach, I would use the, the lawn gold granules because they're turning the soil more alkaline and creating the perfect conditions for good grass growth, uh, as opposed to just giving it a quick fix, which may lead to the moss coming back. Okay, we're staying on hedges. Sheila planted a red robin hedge uh, last year, is wondering, should she feed it this year? She did feed it last year with some kind of granules. I'd say it'll be no harm if you give it a good liquid, a liquid, uh, a liquid seaweed feed. That should that should be good for us. So, but yes, it'll do it no harm. Okay. All right. Listen, that's where we leave it. Um, how are you busy with your online stuff? We're very busy. We started off these online consultations yeah. a couple of weeks ago. As you know, we're, we're pretty much booked out. But if I could very quickly mention Trish on the twenty fifth of March, I know you're under pressure for time, no, but okay. I'll be in K landscape. I'll be in uh, K landscapes in ovens, which used to be a lot of people will know it was Irish aggregates. Uh, well, they've they've they're kind of relaunching, if you like, their paving centre there, and they're holding a a product showcase on the twenty fifth of March. I'll be there to, doing questions and answers with everybody, and there'll be six or seven other landscape gardeners there offering free advice so, and and uh, reading their blurb, enjoy free tea, coffee, and refreshments, entertain the kids with face painting, etc. So twenty fifth of March, K Landscapes and Ovens, and a chance to meet up with the wonderful Peter Dowdle. What more would you want? Listen, uh, good luck <laughs> with that, and thanks a million for joining us. We'll talk next week. Thanks, Trish. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. That is uh, Peter Dowdle, theirishgardener.com.